The tax changes that we have observed over the last three months will not have a significant impact to the vast majority of property investors. Consider your strategy. Consider whether your long-term ambitions remain the same. If so, stick with your overall long-term objectives. Changes in tax rates, generally speaking, should not impact your strategy materially. The tail should not wag the dog. You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Hello there, Snakes Alive 55. We're going bingo style to introduce this week's episode, which seems appropriate since we're talking tax today with friend of the podcast, Sean, the property tax accountant, who's joining us to guide us through all the recent UK tax changes and how they may or may not impact expat property investors. And the reason for referencing bingo is because for many of us, the last few months have felt like a lottery. And there have been so many changes and there's so much to talk about that it may be better to split my tax chat with Sean across two episodes. So that's what we'll do. That will take us up to the festive period and our mini season of daily episodes over the 12 days of Christmas. As a reminder, on Christmas Day, that's episode 57, we'll be releasing a special episode in which some of my previous guests will be sharing their favourite resources. And there's also a competition with the fabulous prize of a free place on John Howard's next auction seminar, which has a value of £500 plus. All you have to do is to guess John's favourite resource. And if no one gets it right, then we'll have a lucky draw to determine the winner. And then from Boxing Day onwards, which will be episodes 58 to 67, I'll be running through my top 10 books for expat property investors. Recently, I mentioned how a review a day keeps the pod fade away. So if you haven't already done so, you can leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on whichever platform you choose to use, or even directly on the podcast website, www.expatpropertystory.com, which is where This lovely listener left this lovely review. One of the best property podcasts out there. Feel like I should be taking notes every episode. And I'm an experienced investor. Enjoyable as well as informative too. Can't recommend it highly enough. The story behind today's episode started with the mini-budget in late September, delivered by then-Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng under the direction of then-Prime Minister Liz Truss. This budget is widely acknowledged as a disaster. So, to make sense of it all, I asked Sean, the property tax accountant, back onto the show. Unless you're new here, you'll remember Sean from our mini-season on tax through the lens of expat property investors, which you can find in episodes 23 to 29, and they're well worth going back to. Here's Sean. It's now known as the (laughs) all-fated mini-budget, so we can cast our minds back to the 23rd of September, where if you remember these people, the Prime Minister at the time, Liz Truss, and her Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng released their, their mini budget based on Trussonomics without any kind of review from the Office of Budget of Responsibility. As we all know now, Trussonomics was based upon targeting high growth, low taxes, but recognizing that that would need to be funded temporarily by debt. Unfortunately, however, the financial markets hated this, absolutely hated this. What that meant was that they saw the UK as very high risk because of the amount of debt that it would need to issue. 
And as a result of that higher perceived risks, that would mean that they would need to demand higher rates of return when purchasing UK debt. That then also meant that the existing debt that's already out there was devalued in order to maintain the yields, which would then be comparable with the newly issued debt. Sadly, that then quickly filtered through the mortgage markets. Uh, Lenders in the panic that took place over those following days, lenders pulled their products. And for the products that remained on the market, they quickly raised those rates. The pound tanked, potentially could have been an advantage for expat property investors. But ultimately, it was quite the disaster. Liz then sacked her chancellor. She then had to step down. And now, as a result of that, we're left with Rishi Sunak as the new prime minister and and Jeremy Hunt as chancellor. My favourite story from that period was Labour was saying they thought a lettuce would last longer than Liz Truss in number 10. And then just after Rishi Sunak took over and things started to go wrong again, all the Labour backbenchers were shouting, bring back the lettuce. (laughs) Yeah, it really is quite amazing. And what is amazing, actually, is it's very difficult to tell the difference between Labour and the Conservatives at the moment, once we consider the autumn budget that Jeremy Hunt announced, it's really difficult to tell them apart. Conservatives are supposed to be low tax. Doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It, it really is quite interesting. But as I cast my mind back to that mini budget, and despite all the reversals that we can talk through in a moment, as well as the new taxes, I really reflect on what are the lasting consequences of those September errors, if you will. The key one there is much, much higher mortgage rates, which I just referred to. Yes, they're coming down, but they're still way higher than anticipated. Yes, we knew that rates were going to go up because the base rate would go up, but mortgage rates are still way, way higher than the base rate. And it very much reminds me of the last financial crisis where I think the term was used, the tide went out and we could see who was swimming naked. And by that, I mean those property investors that were over leveraged. And, and really, I mean, very sympathetic here is there's a double whammy hit that they're taking. So not only are they going to pay higher mortgage rates when they renew their mortgages, but also because of the higher interest, they're then stung by Section 24 that we've chatted about before in a prior episode. As a reminder, That's where mortgage interest isn't fully tax deductible for higher rate taxpayers. And then perhaps even the third whammy is the stealth taxes that were introduced as part of the autumn budget, which we'll come on to, is the fact that more property investors are being dragged into those higher rate tax bans and therefore getting hit even more by Section 24. So that, to me, is the lasting consequence of that mini budget. Do you think there's still a lot of people that didn't incorporate because Section 24 was announced in 2016? Is that right? Uh, Correct. Yes. When did it finally come in fully? 2021? 2020. 2020. So some people maybe did all the numbers and thought, well, I can just hang on keeping everything personally held rather than through a limited company. But now these changes are going to push more people into possibly selling up. I guess. Quite right. So many investors either had their head in the sand really and and didn't really consider Section 24, what it would mean to them, even once it was fully introduced. And, And understandably so, because interest rates were so low that it didn't really make a huge amount of difference. Those that perhaps had educated themselves would have also considered the consequences of incorporating or at least putting new properties in 
limited companies and recognize the disadvantages of doing that as well. Certainly when it comes to selling properties and the higher rates of tax associated with things like the capital gains and then taking money out as dividends relative to paying a lower amount of capital gains tax for personally held property and perhaps weighing that up. But that was also on the government and the Bank of England's guidance that rates would have to increase, but they would be slow and steady. There'd been anything but that. So if I really reflect on the ill-fated uh, mini-budget, in my view, it's just too much too quickly. So for example, the removal of the additional rate ban. So this is the, the 45p or 45% ban for, for those that earn over 150k. This this was a real headline grabber, particularly for political opponents of, of the Conservatives. It was ill-timed. As inequality grows, we've got the cost of living crisis. That could have really been left for the small print at a later stage. But despite the small tax take from that element of tax, you know, it really was a faux pas on behalf of the government. I think what they could have really done or what they should have done in that case is they wanted to bring down taxes is, you know, something like a VAT cut, perhaps. That would have been a real vote winner in in my mind for all people, as I say, because of the cost of living crisis. And if we think now that the UK, we have a 20% standard rate of VAT, back in 2011, it was 17.5%. So that would have been a real big change. What many people are really struggling with, and including accountants and, and tax advisors, is really just to keep up with the changes in tax, what was introduced, what was reversed, what was retained. And so Really, hopefully in this episode, we can make that as clear as possible with a focus on what's of most interest to property investors. So it's doubled your workload then? (laughs) Uh, Maybe even tripled. (laughs) I mean, genuinely, has it had quite an effect on on sort of people in your position? Uh, From a self-education point of view, trying to keep up with the changes, trying to keep up with what has been retained, what was taken out considering what it means for my clients and informing them of the change. Thankfully, I was fortunate and decided you could see the fallout coming. So I just paused on sending out the formal communications. And I'm so, so glad that I did that. Others who understandably wanted to be quick off the mark, unfortunately, they then had to do lots of reversals themselves. So put a lot of pressure on accountants, would you say? Yes, hugely. Yeah, unnecessarily so. If I walk through the story here, so first off, I'll talk about what was introduced, but what was then similarly reversed. I think the first one that needs to be talked about is income tax. I've already mentioned it. There was the additional rate of tax, the 45% rate that was abolished and then brought back in again. We have the basic rate of tax that was planned to be reduced from 20% to 19%. That was something that had been announced prior to Liz Trust coming in, and that was supposed to be brought into force in April 2024. Liz accelerated that to April 23, but that's now been reversed completely. So we're not going to get a 19% basic rate of tax. This one I find quite interesting, actually. The reason being is we think that the reduction in rate would have actually been a positive It would have been interesting for property investors that are being hit by Section 24, particularly those that are high rate taxpayers. The reason being that their tax credit 
or mortgage interest at the moment is capped at the basic rate of tax at 20% of the interest. Had that gone down to 19%, they would have actually been hurt slightly by that, which is quite interesting. The other one was uh, dividend taxes. So we know, as already enforces, that dividend taxes in all bands, that was increased by 1.25%. So that was done from April 2022. That change was going to be reversed in April 23. Unfortunately, that has been reversed now as well. So we're going to keep those 1.25% increases as already introduced. And then for many property investors, the big one was corporation tax. We know that from April 2023, that the standard rate of corporation tax was going to increase from 19 to 25%. So that's for profits for companies that have profits of greater than 250,000. Now, Liz decided to reverse that and keep the standard rate of corporation tax at 19%. Again, that change has been reversed. So the corporation tax rate will increase to 25%. Now, the standard rate will remain at 19% for for those companies with profits of less than 50,000 per year. And then there's the gradual increase for profits between 50 and 250K. What I would add is that groups of companies or companies that have common ownership or control just needs to be really careful here because those thresholds that I mentioned are divided by the number of companies that are under that common ownership. There's a great article on my website there that I'd encourage your listeners to read. That's actually been my second most read article of this year, understandably so. So we could put a link to that in the show notes. Yes, let's do that. Yeah, we'll do that. So the other thing to think about as well, every time there's been like a major recession, the current prime minister or the current party has always been ousted at the following general election. When is the date of the next election? Because all of this is probably very likely to change again, and then we're going to have more change. Exactly. So the next general election can be no later than January 2025. Typically, elections take place in the spring. So realistically, we're probably looking at 2024 I, I'm going to take issue with that, Sean. And I think the Conservatives are struggling so much that they'll hang on till the end. They won't want to have an election if it's not looking like they're going to win. So I think they'll hang on till the dear end and it'll be probably later rather than sooner. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise they have 18 months roughly to pull a very big rabbit out of the hat. And they lose all their benefits as MPs. Exactly. So... My guess is it'll be probably November, August, September 2024, right? Yes, which is only two years away. And then, yeah, all change again. So I guess everybody needs to understand that they could make a whole lot of changes going forward, but actually might not be worth it anyway. Very tricky times. Very, very tricky. Yes. And that's always the way with tax advice. It's only as relevant as the tax laws at that point in time. Uh, Nobody has a crystal ball about what could happen next and what we've seen over the last three months is very much indicative of that, that things can change and and change dramatically. What I would say is that property is generally a long-term investment and I would say that the tail should not wag the dog in this case. Think about your strategy, think about your overall plans, what are your goals, what are your objectives and plan for that, yes, There might be bumps along the way. And as long as you don't become too aggressive or too risky or over leveraged, then, you know, generally you should be able to achieve those goals within within reason. 
and equally not be over leveraged, but also not be scared to invest, I would argue, because I don't exactly know how it's going to work out. But I do think that, for example, when we first left the UK and came to Hong Kong, we rented out our family home and the mortgage wasn't really covered. It was almost covered. It was about the same. But the capital growth that we experienced in those four or five years was through the roof. So properties always seems to change. It's like it becomes a different sport every couple of years because, okay, we've had low interest rates. But now I feel it's a question of if you can make your properties wash their face, as everyone says, then I don't know, the god of capital growth will look after everything else. And rents will go up anyway, that's for sure. Exactly. Yes. And similarly, as long as people are willing to be flexible over time as well and adapt, those people that struggle are those that don't adapt. We only have to see what we're seeing in the HMO market at the moment. I'm seeing that as booming. That's what investors are really focused on at the moment, simply because the yields are higher, that then enables them to cover their mortgage costs. But also the demand is there as people are budgeting more carefully. People that previously perhaps would have rented a one-bedroom flat are considering HMOs now instead. But that will change. That will be temporary. Funnily enough, in the last week, there's a lot of news about demand for one-bed flats going through the roof at the moment because a lot of people are working from home. So I think it's going in, in two different directions at the same time. There's, there's people who can't afford single lets, so they're going to move into HMOs. But equally, there's people who don't need to go to work in the office anymore, and they're looking for like one-bed flats so that they can work from home. Exactly. And it just emphasizes the importance of continuing to monitor the market and then also monitor your own portfolio. Is it still what's in demand? What will demand look like in the next five years as well? These trends are relatively easy to see with the appropriate research. Sticking with the mini budget, in terms of what was retained, that is most interesting or relevant to property investors Quite simply, not a lot. There's just one thing, and that's stamp duty land tax. And in this case, we have the nil rate band was increased from 125 to 250,000. And the the first time buyer nil rate band was increased from 300 to 425k. That was actually still tweaked in the autumn statement in that, that that was going to be guaranteed to be in place until March 2025 coinciding with the election, as as we just talked about. Sadly, there was no change to the additional 3% rate for properties where you're buying your your second property or a property to invest in and and also the rate that's applied to companies. And then importantly, that additional 2% that non-residents are continuing to pay. I have to be honest here. I don't mind that tax, if you like, because I think that, you know, we are abroad paying less tax. We're generally quite well paid as expats. So in a way, you know, if I can contribute to the UK in that way, because I'm making money from the UK, I kind of, I'm, I'm all right with that personally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that point. So reflecting on the first half of my chat with Sean, the property tax accountant, here are three points worth thinking about. Firstly, we should remember that the tax landscape, which has changed so much in the last few months, may well see further changes in a couple of years time, if, as seems likely, there will be a change in government. This leads to the second point, which is to take Sean's advice and speak to your own accountant and or tax advisor about how these changes will impact your own situation. And finally, Sean gave us a timely reminder to keep calm and carry on focusing on your long-term goals and objectives. Yes, monitor your own portfolio and the market as a whole, 
But remember that property is a long-term game and you should make sure that the tax tail doesn't wag the dog. The World Cup is still going on, so for this week's exotic listener location, we're off to Split to celebrate Croatia's incredible victory over tournament favourites Brazil a few days ago. I must admit that I wanted Brazil to win, but if they had to lose, I'm glad it was to a country that has a population of just 4 million compared to Brazil's 214 million. Who doesn't love an underdog? And my wife's happy because she's developed a soft spot for Croatia's Luka Modric, who comes across as a very decent human being. At first, I wondered whether it might be Luka Modric himself listening to the show, as maybe he's developed a passion for UK property after living in London for a few years. But of course, he's still in Qatar, so it's not him. If it's you, on the other hand, get in touch at www.expatpropertystory.com and leave some feedback to help improve the show, or volunteer to be interviewed, as I'm sure we'd all like to hear more expat property stories. Anyway, that's it for Snakes Alive 55. Join me next week for the second half of my chat with Sean, the property tax accountant, and please message at least one person and share the show to spread the word. You've been listening to Expat Property Story.